0: What's going on, everyone, and welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the early morning hours of, well, it's Saturday, April 1st, 2023. No fooling. We're back here on the show. Despite the Cardinals' off day on Friday, always having the off day after opening day in case it rains. Well, it did rain today. It didn't rain Thursday, so we got the game in. And the schedule worked as it was supposed to. But that means a day off for the Cardinals, so no game to talk about on this edition of the show. But we do have an update on Wilson Contreras, Cardinals catcher who left the opening day game with a knee injury. We'll talk about that. Not a whole lot to get into. And then I will pose this question in a season that we'll see or has seen already. Jordan Walker, exciting rookie prospect, make his way to the big leagues and The runway for him over the coming weeks will be exciting to watch as he embarks upon that rookie campaign. Already got his first hit out of the way on Thursday. But we've seen Jordan Walker. Who's next? That's the question I'm going to pose. Who's the next big-name prospect that the Cardinals could end up bringing to the big league level? And I think there's an obvious candidate on the position player side. And then there's maybe one on the pitching side that, I don't know if you call him still a big-name prospect, but there is a, a guy who definitely has a prospect pedigree, but we've seen him a little bit, and I think we're going to see even more from him this year when this particular pitcher gets his opportunity in the big leagues. It's going to happen. He's going to be back, and when he gets there, I think it's going to be maybe more successful than we've seen from this individual in the past. So going to get into a little bit of that tonight. Not a Super long episode, probably on tap with no game to talk about, but still wanted to get on here and interact with you guys. Facebook.com slash bshafer12. Give that a follow if you haven't already. My professional page over on Facebook. I'm, of course, at bshafer12 on Twitter. I think I should be losing that blue check mark on Twitter any minute now with uh, Elon Musk making everybody uh, pay for verification, which if you've got to pay for it, what's it actually verifying other than to verify that you own $8? And I'm, I've got no interest in that. So bye-bye to the blue, but plenty of other ways to, uh, I mean, still follow me on Twitter by all means, but other ways to follow me as well. Check out Facebook, youtube.com slash at B shafer 12. Uh, let's get the YouTube subscriber thing going. That'll be good. I'm going to do some live streams over there. That's kind of my tease for uh, the way YouTube will be utilized. So check that out and make sure you're just uh, subscribed to this show. B Daily on Apple Podcasts if you're so inclined with an iPhone or Spotify, give me a follow over there, rate and review the show. All right, Wilson Contreras, good news is I think he's going to be okay. X-rays initially came back negative. We knew that last night on uh, yesterday's episode of the show. Scroll back to episode 344 on your B-Shape Daily Podcast feed if you missed the conversation about Thursday's opening day game. A lot to get to in that one. I think we went over 50 minutes in that episode Even though it was a loss, plenty to talk about, and I think a lot of reasons to be excited about the offense in particular that the Cardinals are bringing to the table this season. So go back and check that one out if you missed it. But we talked about the fact that the x-rays were negative, but he was going to get the MRI. Wilson Contreras on the knee, obviously took the 102.7-mile-per-hour sinker off of that shin guard, off the knee area, right smack dab on the kneecap, it seemed like. And we didn't know what the status was going to be. You kind of hold your breath. You kind of wonder, wow, if if this guy, the uh the what, four or five year contract, eighty some odd million dollars, if he's hurt for a prolonged period of time in the first game, that is a bad omen for the season. Doesn't appear to be the case though, as just like the X ray came back negative, so too did the MRI on Wilson Contreras' knee. No break, no fracture seems to be the outcome there, which is very fortunate for the Cardinals. Because I I do not know what they would have done if they had to basically face a full season, no Wilson Contreras, they thought he was going to be the answer at catcher. Game one, he goes out, shatters his kneecap. Like, you know, there was a scenario where that seemed to have been plausible. Uh, fortunately, it's not the case. I thought it was going to end up being okay when I went back and looked at the replay. And Contreras immediately jumped up after, remember, it was a wild pitch from Jordan Hicks that, caused this injury and he immediately jumped up from behind the plate to try and go track the ball down and you could tell he was wincing in pain there with the first step that he took on that right knee however he sort of was able to jog after the baseball and and move around a little bit and walk once he was trying to get back behind the plate and crouch down into a catcher position it wasn't going to happen it was clear he was shaking I mean I could see it from up in the press box he was shaking his head back and forth like nope nope this is not going to happen So, like, obviously there was a lot of pain there, but I was like, I was thinking, well, since he's able to at least jog, even if that's adrenaline pumping, I don't even know if you'd be able to do that if your kneecap was just completely shattered and all the pieces are floating around in there. He probably would have crumpled into a heap immediately. So I thought it might end up being okay. You're probably looking at a a bone bruise. You're probably looking at a little bit of an absence here. I don't know what the Cardinals are going to do. The report's Friday uh, were that they're not going to put him on the injured list. So you figure less than 15 days is the expectation. Uh, it could be a couple of days. It could be just the weekend, and maybe he's back uh, for the weekday series against the Atlanta Braves coming up. Maybe he doesn't miss any time. I have no idea. He obviously got to rest it on Friday. I would have to think, though, that you got some swelling in there. Uh, again, 103 right off the kneecap. Padding or otherwise, that's still going to leave a mark, and I'm sure it did. You've got They call it a contusion. It's a bruise, and he'll – probably be back in the lineup in a number of days but the Cardinals maybe will turn to Andrew Kisner in the interim I'll be interested though to see what they do because if he does have to miss one day two day three day four day it's just a little bit of a dangerous proposition to go without a backup catcher for too terribly long because what if something should happen to Kisner and they don't feel Contreras is quite ready for like say tomorrow say Saturday's game Contreras is not available Or is he available in case of an emergency where they have to put him in there? I don't know what the status is going to be. So it could be a little dicey to go too long with that being your situation off your bench. So we'll see what the Cardinals do there. But moral of the story, I think the big picture here is that Wilson Contreras is going to be okay. I mean, even if he's out for a week, that would stink. It would be a a difficult situation, I think, for the Cardinals to have to deal with right away. You'd be bummed out that you don't get to see his bat in the lineup immediately. Even if that were the case, though, it's a whole heck of a lot better than it could have been. So you think you're lucky stars and you move on. Cardinals should have Wilson Contreras back in a matter of time. And all will be right with the world when that that time should arrive. So that's the update on Contreras. It'll be day to day. I think with each subsequent episode of the show, we will have perhaps more information to share about that. So stay tuned right here on B-Shape Daily. And of course, you can check out Twitter at b 12 to make sure you're up to date on everything going on there. Before history is written, Bobby Orr, behind the, the the it's played. Tenelli, the nice Before it's frozen in time, in. it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. The the what happens next? last forever the Stanley Cup final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday let's pose this question though Jordan Walker's made his debut it's it's fantastic he's going to be with the club he's going to play every day we'll see what what he can do the 20 year old Phenom got his first base hit on Thursday showed off the arm a little bit maybe a little raw in terms of uh when to to break out that hose but i think the the exit velocity or i Whatever, the throw velocity was triple digits, 100 miles per hour, something Cardinals outfielders maybe haven't ever done in the StatCast era. I, I'm not exactly sure if that was the hardest throw, but it was up there. Regardless, the throw that he made to third base that Arenado uh, kind of cut off to try to get a man going back to second. Yes, they give up an extra base on the play, not the end of the world. I kind of enjoyed that they that they took the shot, that Jordan Walker took the shot, and it was a pretty online throw, I think if Aronado stayed tied to the bag, the, the runner was going to be safe at third. Was They weren't going to get him out. But Aronado thought he had an even better chance of trying to cut the runner down at second. Donovan thought he tagged him out. They ended up ruling him safe. I thought Donovan... I, when you tag a guy, I know it's happening so quickly. But I thought on that play, maybe if you get him on the, the wrist or the hand instead of the chest, you might end up with the out. But nevertheless call it a learning experience, call it whatever. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal on the on Jordan Walker. In the second one, he sailed over the head of Andrew Kisner uh, trying to cut down a runner at the plate. Wasn't going to get him. I don't really think. Maybe a runner advanced on that one, but it wasn't it wasn't like it was a big deal. That was kind of the, the game situation was what it was, and he was taking a shot. No big deal. Exciting to see the raw talent, though. That's the bottom line to me. Uh, excited to see what Jordan Walker can do. There are other players, though, for the Cardinals that – have have been in the minor league system, are still in the minor leagues, and they will help out this team in 2023. No question about it. The one that everybody's talking about offensively, obviously, Mason Wynn. He did get the promotion to AAA Memphis, and they had their first game on Friday. Mason Wynn playing shortstop, batting leadoff, got his first hit in AAA action. I believe it was 101, the exit velocity off the bat for a base hit. And reached base via walk as well. So on base two times in five plate appearances. Did strike out a couple of times as the leadoff man for Memphis. But, uh, you know, strikeouts happen these days in baseball. Juan Yepes one for four down there in Memphis. You'll see him again as well. I don't think there's any question about that either. Uh, also reached base via walk. And good for Luke and Baker. The uh, the big first base prospect had a nice day at the office. Three for four, a double and a home run with three runs driven in for Baker. The Memphis Redbirds knocked off the Charlotte Knights 9-1. Talked about a few offensive players there, some position players. But I think the next guy that maybe we're not paying enough attention to just yet, but is a guy that could help the Cardinals this year, is going to have a chance to do so at some point. It's just inevitable. Over the course of a long season, it takes more than the 13 pitchers you showed up on the first day with in order to navigate the campaign. It just does. But Matthew Libertor, I think, is poised to have a pretty good bounce-back season, if you can even call it a bounce-back season. Because last year, really, his opportunities in the big leagues didn't amount to much more than a cup of coffee. Maybe an extended cup of coffee. Nine games, made seven starts with the Cardinals last year. As I pull up the uh, baseball reference page. ERA of 5.97 in 34 and two-thirds innings. Seven starts. ERA about six. Okay. Nothing spectacular. And in the minors last year, he was in AAA for the most part. ERA was 5.17 in international league play. That's the league the Memphis Redbirds participate in. A lot of times, AAA tends to be a pretty offensive heavy league. You see... Hitters oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes succeed more frequently than pitchers do at that level for whatever reason. That that historically seems to be the case, at least anecdotally. I, I could be wrong about this, but uh, I, I know it was the case when they played in the Pacific Coast League. Cardinals are now in the International League playing teams more on the East Coast, Middle America, those sorts of teams. Uh, Charlotte, for instance, is the team that they played today. That changeover happened, I believe, after after COVID, after the 2020 sort of realignment of the minors and the system sort of had those changes. Nevertheless, not great numbers, whether it was at the big league level or the AAA level last year for Libertor. And you remember, he came over in the Randy Orozarena trade, and so everybody and their brother had some expectations for the young left-hander, who was obviously childhood friend of Nolan Gorman. They played prep baseball, I believe, against one another after being on the same team uh, prior to high school, out, out Arizona way, I think it was. So had that familiarity with Gorman. Everybody said, okay, that's a dynamic duo. They're going to get to the big leagues. Nolan Gorman got to the big leagues last year and did pretty well. Didn't stay the whole time. Obviously, they sent him back to Memphis late in the season because he just wasn't playing much at the time. But Gorman's there now. He's part of the lineup and, and going to be a, a significant factor, ideally, in what the Cardinals are looking to do offensively this season. Libertor lagged behind a little bit and, again, had gotten that, that cup of coffee. He got that opportunity for 34 innings last year. But he just hadn't been beating the door down in Memphis with the 5.17 ERA and AAA to get more than that. And then when he got to St. Louis, it was just so-so. It was mediocre. I mean, it, it's not like he was getting killed out there, but you end up with an ERA close to six. You didn't, you, you know, you had more tough outings than you did quality ones. Twenty-eight strikeouts in thirty-four and two-thirds innings, so uh, not quite the K per inning that he was averaging in Memphis, which was 116 Ks in 115 innings in 2022, down in AAA. So it was just kind of a meh season for Libertor who if you go back and you look at his you know Baseball America prospect rankings before 2019 he was 58th in you know all of baseball and was a guy that was a first round pick before the Rays traded him to the Cardinals in that Orozco Reina deal then before 2020 he he darts up to 42 these are still the Baseball America rankings and then up to 46 oh no that's downward downward from 42 was his peak and then before 21, it was 46. Before last season, it was 50th. And now before this year, it's 79th. So he's kind of moving the wrong direction. You could say losing a little bit of that prospect luster. However, here's why I say Matthew Libertor, I think, is has got an opportunity. You can call it post-type sleeper. You can call it whatever you want. I think he can help the Cardinals this year is the bottom line. First of all, he looked really good in spring training. Ten innings. earned run average, just gave up two earned runs, three total runs, one homer, one walk in 10 innings is nice to see. Not necessarily going to blow you away, but close to that K per inning, nine strikeouts in the 10 innings. So you like to see that from Libertor, that he was managing a pretty good spring, and that comes off of the winter warm-up back in St. Louis where he kind of just talked about the learning experiences that he had from his first year. And talked about really wanting to institute more of that bulldog mentality. That was his biggest takeaway. The biggest thing he learned was maybe you know you got to respect the competition at this level, but he he maybe respected it a little bit too much, in that he wasn't allowing him. You know he had that in his mind a little more than he wanted to, to where he wasn't doing the things he needed to do to have confidence in his in his stuff and his material on the mound to be able to make things happen. I think he's come into this year with a little bit of a different mindset, and we'll see if it sticks. But I'll say this, through one game, it it's tracking for Matthew Libertor. He was very good in the Memphis Redbirds game on Friday. Five innings, did walk a couple of guys, but only four hits allowed, and the seven strikeouts certainly do jump off the page. No runs allowed either for Matthew Libertor. He gets the win in the 9-1 victory for the Memphis Redbirds. So I'm just saying, I mean, Libertor could be a guy that you talk about the depth of the rotation and with Wainwright going down to injury I think it made sense that Jake Woodford a little further along in the pecking order he had gotten opportunities last year we talked about how Jake Woodford finished like I don't know if it was 16 or 19 games for the Cardinals last year but didn't record a single save it was always Jake Woodford in sort of mop-up duty if they were up five or down five or down three or whatever just to finished the eighth or ninth inning, depending on Homer road. Yeah. He had a two point some odd ERA, but he didn't really do it under very stressful circumstances, not because he proved that he couldn't, but because he never really did get the chance. And so I think coming into this spring, that was kind of the way the Cardinals viewed him again. And, you know, they had the five starters, the four guys who were in the rotation along with Woodford right now, plus Wainwright was five. And then even number six, I think would have been Dakota Hudson, and he just had such a poor spring that it it made it so, all right, we're opening our eyes to what Jake Woodford's doing. Doesn't really matter in terms of the rotation because we've still got five starters. But maybe Woodford ends up winning that long relief roll and we send Hudson back to Memphis because he just didn't earn a spot. That's what ends up happening. And then you have the injury for Adam Wainwright. Suddenly there's a spot open in the rotation and Jake Woodford is the guy that gets to fill it. I think that's perfectly reasonable. And it will be fascinating to see what he does with that. It's a chance for Jake Woodford that he has not really had yet in his Cardinals career. And he could take it and run with it. And that would be huge for his, his opportunity in his career. But I think the next guy in line, and performance may dictate it, but I'm, I'm projecting that his performance will do so, is Matthew Libertor to have a chance if there's another need for a starter at the big league level, uh, especially with what he did in the game on Friday that was the, put his best foot forward in the opening game. I think he's definitely somebody that we know it, you know, intuitively, we know he's on the radar and he's part of this mix, but I feel like he did sort of lose that luster in the minds of a lot of fans. But what do you think about the start for Matthew Libertor? I'm curious what Cardinals fans have to say about this. Let me know at B Schaefer 12 on Twitter, because this is a guy that left-handed, right? Which isn't as dire of a need as it once was in the Cardinals rotation, because right now you've got Jordan Montgomery and Steven Matz, who, by the way, I think both of those guys are going to end up having really good seasons. And bringing up Steven Matz's name allows me to remember that I asked on Twitter, I did this in 2022 before the season, so I ran it back yesterday before the opening day game tipped off. I went through and said, give me your Cardinals team MVP, give me your, your team Cy Young for the year, which I say that's that's the Gibby Award. Give me your Gibby, give me your rookie, and give me your reliever of the year, along with a bold prediction. And I can't remember if I ended up going through those on the podcast or not, but if I did, I'll reiterate real quickly, uh, because we're talking about the lefties and the rotation, Steven Matz, I said, was going to be my gibby for this year for the Cardinals. I think he could end up being like an all-star caliber pitcher if he stays healthy. And it's not that I want to completely disrespect the other guys that are a little more established within the Cardinals. Miles Michaelis, though, didn't have a great first start, which, again, I, I gave these numbers or these uh, predictions, I should say, before. opening day game so I didn't know Michaelis was going to struggle on opening day but now having seen that you go, all right I mean I'm sure he'll he'll round into form but okay it's not crazy necessarily to not list Michaelis as the guy I would have felt silly if I had said Michaelis and then he had that game I would have caught all kinds of crap on Twitter about it after the fact Jack Flaherty I think would be the obvious answer uh but still some things yet to see him do right Hope I think for the Cardinals sake they would want him to be the answer because if he is the uh, healthy, fully capable form of himself, it's, it's better news for the rotation in the team at large. But I wasn't quite confident enough to go with Jack. Uh, Montgomery was a consideration for sure. Wainwright, though, right now on the injured list, I, I, I'm not saying process of elimination, but I do think I've been impressed by Matt's. I think he's going to ha- strike out more batters than people think. I think he's going to be pretty consistent. It's just not a version of him that we've seen in St. Louis yet, but he's done it before in his big league career. So, yeah, I went with Steven Matz on that front. But back to Libertor, and and I will. I'll go through the rest of uh, what my picks were for uh, that that little uh, preseason superlatives, if you will. But it's not to say that Matthew Libertor being a lefty is just suddenly something they absolutely need anymore. I just think they need outs. They need guys who can miss bats. And at least in his first outing, Matthew Libertor seemed to be able to do that with the seven strikeouts. Impressive stuff from Libby. And I think if, if you see a more confident version of him this year, when he does get that next cup of coffee and he's filling in in the rotation, it, it could end up being a strength rather than one of those where you kind of hold your breath and say, I mean, at times last year, late in the season, after he had made a few starts, you kind of knew what you were going to get. It was going to be kind of an uneven middling performance where if he goes five innings and, and just keeps it to a couple of runs, you, you consider that a success. I think Libertor's next step is to gain that confidence, continue to be that bulldog, and then be somebody that, you know, is looked at as a weapon when he gets into the rotation for the Cardinals. I do think it'll happen at some point. Obviously, you look at the other guys that are down there in Memphis. I don't think Dakota Hudson's going to be lapping Libertor at this point for the next opportunity, knocking on the door to get into the rotation. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see, I think, what Libertor is able to do and build upon this first performance I think you'll see him sooner rather than later, though, and I think he's going to be able to help out this year. I really do. And another name, by the way, in that minor league uh, Memphis rotation, Gordon Graceffo made the AAA team. No Michael McGreevy there at Memphis. I, I assume he'll start as one of the top starters in A and try to work his way up to join join Graceffo up in Memphis because they've kind of tracked together throughout their uh, professional careers so far, but they'll split up to begin the season. Uh, I want to see McGreevy get it going to where he can join Graceffo up at AAA and continue to climb that ladder. But I, I still think even if Graceffo gets off to a roaring start at Memphis, I still feel like Libertor, especially if it's early in the season would be the guy that they would call to in order to to backfill in the rotation in, uh, in St. Louis. So we'll see what that ends up looking like for sure. Let me get into though, uh, before we get out of here, the superlatives that I mentioned on, on the tweet that I sent on Thursday, team MVP, Nolan Arenado to me, I think he could also end up as the league MVP. You end up with Steven Matz as the Gibby rookie of the year. I went, I actually went with Mason Wynn over Jordan Walker, which would need to probably see Wynn up in the, in the early half of the season in order to earn that distinction. But I do think when he gets here, he can be very successful. That might be a little bit of a a pressure packed prediction, uh, for Mason Wynn, but he's not a guy that lacks for confidence, and so I don't think it would bother him one bit. Uh, and it's not to diminish Jordan Walker either. I just think I I wanted to, okay, everybody's going to say Jordan Walker. I wanted to make that pick just to demonstrate that I think that Mason Wynn is a guy that, you know, he's he's going to impress people this year. That's, I, I want to get out in front of that and say I'm, I'm coming around on him offensively too, where last year I kind of thought He's going to be a great defensive player. What's the bat going to bring? Is that going to carry him into you know, the stardom at the big league level that Cardinals fans would wish upon him? I don't know. I, From what I've seen this spring so far, I'm starting to lean toward the answer to that being yes. I was impressed by the power that he showed in spring camp. So Mason win for me as the rookie of the year. Jordan Walker, hopefully. I mean, another case where I said the Cardinals would hope it's Jack Flaherty to be their best pitcher this year they might hope it's Jordan Walker to be their, their best rookie because he's already here and they want to see him hit the ground running. So I I wouldn't be rooting against Jordan Walker to see him, you know, pick up that mantle. That's sort of the lead expectation. But if you were going off the board a little bit more, Mason Wynn, an interesting choice. But speaking of off the board, my reliever of the year, Drew Verhagen. And I, again, I said this before day one, after the first game on Thursday, prediction wasn't looking bad. His stuff looked very sharp. Other guys in that bullpen, maybe not so much. I'll be curious to see this, how early in the season, how long it takes Drew Verhagen to end up with more of a prominent role in the bullpen. Is he seventh inning, eighth inning, getting some of those opportunities if other guys are either ineffective or unavailable the way that Giovanni Gallegos was on Thursday? We'll see what ends up happening there. But uh, Verhagen is is, uh, the guy I'm backing this year to say, I know you probably discounted him last year. You had reason to. He didn't look good. I think he was just hurt. And now, if he's healthy, the stuff is sharp. Uh, he's got to just consistently make pitches. He can't take any pitches off or let pitches float in over the zone because he'll still get hammered on some stuff. But I'm thinking he can avoid that for the most part and have a pretty good season. Uh, so, Drew Verhagen, my reliever of the year. And then the bold prediction that I gave was that Nolan Gorman was going to be an all star. And I still think that could be the case. What I wish I would have said was Brendan Donovan is going to be an all star. But I don't know if that would have been bold enough. Uh, now I'll. I'll raise the ante and say Brendan Donovan can finish top 10 in the MVP voting in the National League. I think that's legitimately something that can, can happen, and to be a little more precise with it, Brendan Donovan will lead the league in runs scored, will lead the National League in runs scored. That would be like, I don't know what kind of odds you'd put on that. It's more of a, a bold prediction the way that it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be something that is favored to happen. It would be a little bit of a long shot call, but I you could see that coming together with the way he's hitting the ball hard He's always gotten on base, and he's batting in front of Newt Bar, Goldsmith, and Arenado almost every day. Uh, and I get the sense that when a lefty is on the mound, they might bump Tyler O'Neill up, by the way, to the two-hole. That was a question that Ben Fred asked Ollie Marlill in his office on Thursday afternoon was, can you kind of toggle back and forth between the number two and the number six spot in the order de- depending on what, what you're facing on that given day on the mound? And Ollie didn't didn't push back on the idea that that could be something they do a little bit. Uh, bump Larson's new bar a little bit down, assuming that Tyler O'Neill gets a better opportunity against maybe a lefty pitcher. Uh, maybe it's somebody else that would have that chance, but just something to keep an eye on. Regardless, though, I think Brendan Donovan is going to be a fixture at the top of the order, and if he gets anything close to the 394 on base that he had last year, add some power to that, he is going to score a ton of runs. I'd be kind of surprised if he doesn't end up scoring 100 runs as long as he is healthy. If he misses time for injury, that'd be a different story. But last season, real quick here, scored 64 runs in uh, 468 plate appearances. I think he'll have closer to 600 plate appearances this year. He probably exceeds that, honestly. Uh, He'll get five a game for the most part with the way the Cardinals offense goes. I think, you know, you can can see enough games where that will happen. And I think he's just going to score more runs because he's going to be in in more of the, the table setter spot in the lineup the entire way rather than last year. he he kind of took him a while to get into that groove where they started putting him in the one or the two spot later on in the year. So, yeah, I think he's going to be a huge run scorer and very well maybe a run producer. I don't think that Matt Carpenter comp is that crazy. If he adds 12 to 15 to 17 home runs in a given season, he's getting on base. He's just going to be kind of that Matt Carpenter grinded out kind of guy, and uh, the Cardinals would certainly welcome that. That, though, is going to do it for this edition of B-Shape Daily. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. Please do subscribe and follow the show. It helps me a great deal. And uh, all the social medias and stuff like that. If you're not on Facebook, or if you're on Facebook, but you're not on my Facebook, get on it. Facebook.com slash b shafer 12. Same as my Twitter, but you know what? Elon Musk could nuke the entire Twitter sphere overnight, and then we'd be kind of stuck. So make sure you're following me everywhere you can in case that ever happens appreciate you guys as always and we'll talk to you again next time on B-Shape Daily peace